You're listening to the Email Unplugged podcast powered by NetCore, a weekly show dedicated to helping email marketers and marketing enthusiasts engage, grow, and retain customers through reliable, smart, and effective email communication. Discover actionable ways to increase ROI and deliver value through email. No fluff. Tune in to hear best practices and tactical solutions from the best thought leaders and practitioners. Master your email communication now. Well, hello, everybody. Well, welcome back to another part of our series with NetCore on COVID and the situation that we're all playing into right now in terms of how it's impacting email marketing, email deliverability, and anything that's email related. You know, as some of you have been listening to the podcast, we've had several guests on here that have talked a lot about different areas within email the impacts on brands and marketers in terms of how they need to be thinking about email. We talked a little bit about how consumers are being impacted as well in terms of the types of emails that they're getting and also a lot of others, you know, great information around things that you have to think about from a regulation standpoint. Um, as you know, uh, you know, during this podcast, we've also had the opportunity as well with NetCore to also put out a global email trends report for 2020 that was also released during a webinar uh, that we had a couple weeks ago uh, during the Inbox Expo. And again, today, we'd like to sort of, you know, you know begin to bring back around, if you will, uh, the, the topic of COVID and the impact of email and bring in another, uh, you know, great person in this conversation. And that's my friend, Lauren Mayer, who is joining us here from California, I believe, right, Lauren? Yeah, yep, coming to you live from Southern California. All right, welcome. Well, hopefully it's uh, nice, good, sunny weather. And I know that you guys are just like the rest of us are stuck in our homes, but hopefully you guys are getting out, maybe even maybe try to see a beach every once in a while. <laughs> you can't be far away. Every once in a while, yep. <laughs> yeah. So, yes, I, I'm glad to have Lauren here, guys, because I, I've known her for a number of years, actually, from the industry, like most of, of everyone that we've talked to here, you know, before. And I can let her talk a little bit about sort of her background. But I'm very excited to have her here because she has been another one of those folks in the industry that not just has a position in email and is able to garner knowledge and to be able to share that information, but she's also been a, a big volunteer in a lot of the organizations that some of us are members of, like MOG, the Email Experience Council, the Email Center Provider Coalition. Um, she has really taken a lot of time you know, to work with us and to help not just her own companies, but to help others in here, because again, as we've all talked about, and, and you've heard me say that, you know, that we're all in this together and we need to be working together. So I was hoping maybe you can kind of tell everybody about your background first to kind of get an idea of where you've been, the types of knowledge that you have and, and sort of where you're at now. Yeah, sounds good. Yeah, thanks, Dennis, for, for the intro. Um, I actually recently joined Kickbox about three months ago as the VP of Industry Relations and Compliance, but I've been in email for about 13 years, a little bit more than that. So kind of started out on the affiliate marketer side, but really have, have kind of stayed on the sender side for most of my career. It's really interesting to now be part of, of Kickbox because now I'm, I'm getting to have conversations with other people from ESPs, as well as our end user clients who are facing deliverability issues within lots of different industries, right? So in my history, I've worked with small and mid-sized companies, as well as a bunch of you know Fortune 100s and 500s while I was at Epsilon. And I spent the last four years um, as the VP of delivery for Mailjet, which is a French ESP where I was managing essentially everything deliverability, compliance, and, and anti-abuse related. 
And, and so being a kickbox, I, I think hopefully maybe some of our listeners here know that kickbox isn't a, a fighting club, right? <laughs> <laughs> no, it is not. It is not a kickboxing club. No, um, it's actually an email verification service. Um, so we are, you know, really, we, we like to pride ourselves on being a white hat service meant to be used for legitimate senders who are trying to really just make the most of the data that they collect through a proper opt-in, right? Like, uh, you know, I really, it's really tough when somebody comes to you and wants to do business with you, but then they, they share that they have a purchased or scrape list or something that is really just non-compliant with, with deliverability, but also non-compliant with most ESPs that you're gonna try to send through, right? So our goal is to give people a chance to, to clean up their list, right? If you're about to do a re-engagement campaign, or maybe if you've gone through an acquisition and you're not sure of that data quality of that new list that you've just inherited, um, being able to kind of upload that list and, and take a look at what the results look like. But we've also been getting a lot of traction, especially with the COVID situation around our email verify, our real-time email verification API, which really just allows you at the point of entry to make sure that the addresses that you're collecting are valid, that they're actually going to go to somebody, right? So that's really helping uh, reduce the hard bounce rates, which is of course good for deliverability, but also, you know, I was recently doing a report with, with one of our colleagues and, and Kate Barrett from New Purpose Marketing, and one of the stats that we came across was the fact that, you know, within the retail industry, 95% of people that hop onto your website or come visit your, your physical store location will come once and never return, right? So um, we shared some stats around, you know, what that comes out to in terms of revenue, but essentially just, you know, consider how much money each user within your industry is worth to you, right? Whether that's $5 or $100, it doesn't matter. That's a lot of money that you're leaving on the table if you're if you're missing out on people who actually tried to sign up and weren't able to because they didn't give you the right email address. So that's a little bit about what we've been doing. Yeah, so it's it's actually kind of interesting that you, that you're bringing this up because yeah, one of my questions and thoughts as I've been talking to a lot of different friends of mine, and, and I know that you've been seeing some of these conversations because you know we're in, in a lot of the same Slack groups and and email list out there. But you know, you know, the question had been sort of you know what's happening now in terms of of marketers and and those lists or brands and their list because I think you know I, I remember and I, I I don't recall if if you and I ever had this conversation, but you know in the days of of Eloqua when I was there. I remember when the market had his, you know, his downturn or change in 2008, 2009 time period. And there was this big sort of, hey, you know, the market's dying and, and you know, people are not going to be buying a lot of stuff. And yet, uh, at the same time, the, the chief financial officers that were out there for these companies would say, hey, you know, marketers, whoever it was, we have to cut the budgets a little bit. So I need you to do as much as possible, but I'm going to give you a lot less money. And we were kind of going, oh, this is not a good time for anybody in, in marketing. And yet companies like Eloqua and many others, especially in that marketing automation space and some of them in the ESP space actually saw an increase in use of their platforms because, well, again, marketers knew uh, that the uh, at the return on the investment, you know, the, the investment, the initial investment, I should say, was cheap enough because the, the the return on it was, you know, as we've been talking about several times in this podcast series, has been somewhere between forty to forty three dollars on return. But you know, in terms of the engagement, you know, are you guys seeing or have you seen, you know, people, you know, doing reengagement campaigns, and more specifically, why are they doing it? Like, where is this coming from? You know, we have discussed and, and, and before, and I'm kind of curious if you agree with this as well, but, you know, are we seeing that because massive amounts of people are now stuck at home, they now need to have things delivered. And so, well, the only way for them to have an identifier 
is still an email address. And so that's why they sign up. Is that sort of what you've been seeing and hearing on these engagement, re-engagement campaigns and why you m might be seeing increases in use? Yeah. Yeah. I mean, I think some of it is, is the re-engagement aspect, right? So, I mean, you know, we're seeing, and I'm sure, you know, you, you guys have seen those memes go across the internet of just people being like, oh, hey, look, that brand that we haven't done any business with in 10 years is wishing us well right now, right? So, um, People are reaching out to their entire user base, whether you have done any kind of active engagement with them in, in years, right? And so um, in those cases, it does make sense to, to maybe run your list through a list verification service first and try to pair off any, any hard bounces or any kind of problematic data that might be in there. But really, I honestly think, you know, what we should be doing is, is focusing more on your actives, right? Like, does it matter to me if a store, you know, I, I just moved from, from New York City to California, does it matter to me that that a store that I used to shop at three years ago in Brooklyn is closed and I can't go there physically? No, not at all, right? So um, maybe they don't know that I've moved, but the fact that I haven't shopped with them in three years should be an indicator that I'm, I'm probably not very interested in that information. It does not provide any value to me, right? So focusing on the actives is super important. I think the other thing that we've been seeing a change with is, is less of the re-engagement or that, that old database that you're about to send to, to, to everybody. Um, but it's more so just, you know, certain industries are actually seeing an uptick in business right now. Like obviously, you know, the retail industry has, has kind of come to a standstill and that's understandable. But, you know, companies like Zoom and, and other communications are seeing 5x activity, right? And and from our platform, that's coming through to be a lot more signups, right? And like back, back to your point, people only need an email address to sign up for this stuff, right? So then it's just a matter of, of kind of capturing that data, making sure it's clean, and then figuring out how to how to engage with those those customers going forward, right? Whether they're a new customer or somebody that that maybe um, hasn't used you in a while, and all of a sudden they now have a need because they're they're working from home. Take you know not to say take advantage of that, but but understand that new behavior and that new value that you might be providing to them, and then market to them responsibly and accordingly. Well, and, and that's actually a good, a good point, right? We've talked a little bit about sort of responsibility of marketers and brands in terms of the data. And I know that you understand this, especially because of your involvement at MOG. You know, we always talk about, you know, treating the email address literally today. I mean, you know, we were saying this years ago before privacy laws came into play, to be honest, but it is an adjunct. It is an extension of me as an individual. I mean, you know, it's funny that you know, even I can still tell you my dad and my and my old, you know, e email address that we used to have at AT&T, you know, back in the mid 90s, because mm -hmm. it was a very specific format. And I can still recite both his and mine. And so, you know, if I can go back that far, just in my own mindset, right, that the identifying purpose of, of an email address today is 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 to be really, again, is to hold it with with, with a sense of reverence, if you will. But, you know, as you're seeing, it, you bring up another good point in this is that you're seeing companies that, you know, might be selling you stuff back in New York. And I know like you have your favorite, you know, you know, pizzeria place that's probably, you know, trying to get you to come back and to order from them right now out of New York. But, you know, you know what sorts of abuses are you, know, are you seeing and sort of are they intentional or non-intentional? And I guess what I mean by that is, you know, you said like there are some brands right now that are, you know, panicking like we did in 2008 and they went and they grabbed every email that they could find right now. You know, have you been hearing about that? Have you been seeing that that same sort of thing here where, yeah, I mean, all of a sudden, like I got emails, I, I think I was talking to, I think it, it might've been Matt uh, in, in our series here, but I told, I remember when GDPR came into enforcement in 2018, and now you had the same problem, but we, have, but we all got these emails from these brands we had never heard from in years. And it was actually a nice exercise because I was able to clean and delete information from brands that I no longer use and haven't used for decades. You know, and that same thing, I think is my, it might be happening here because I've also seen that same thing where I'm going, 
I don't remember this brand or I don't remember the last time I had purchased something from them. But are you seeing like abuses, like outright abuses of, you know, of, of email addresses or, you know, have you guys even at Kickbox even seen, you know, some abuse of people trying to verify lists that, you know, just shouldn't be out there as a white hat company like yours are, you know, are you, have you seen an increase in that? Yeah, I mean, I think the, the you know, abuse is, is nothing new to email or or deliverability, right? Like, I think there it's just now there's a new tactic, right? There's this kind of new thing to focus on. Um, in terms of, of numbers, um, I have seen an increase, you know, there's, I've been joining a lot of a lot of webinars recently that are very data driven that are kind of trying to track uh, the trends. I, I joined one yesterday from Infogroup, I believe. Um, and they mentioned that delete rates of emails were up about 3.9%. And then when you actually mention when you reference COVID-19, that number jumps up to about 4.8%, right? So we are seeing... Um, and these are deletions, not unsubscribes. These are deletes, right? Yeah, right. Yeah. So this is just people outright deleting the mail. Um, I have, have heard other reports where people are saying that unsubscribes were up for a short period. Um, it seems like a lot of people kind of just had the time to go through and do inbox cleanups, or maybe they were getting some of those really kind of legal jargony sort of scary messages that, that, that you had mentioned that are just so text heavy and just so like, hey, we're closing right now, right? So it's, it's, it's kind of scary at a time when people need to feel safe when they're already stressed or anxious about what's going on. Um, anything you can do to, to, to kind of make them feel better is good. So I think what we're seeing is, is some of the abuse is literally just people having a bad reaction to bad marketing or bad targeting, right? So again, if, if, you, if you're targeting somebody who hasn't shopped with you in a couple of years, the likelihood of them marking a spam is much higher, right? So when we're talking about legitimate, let's say emails that are being sent from legitimate brands where there was perhaps an opt-in at some point, that that kind of abuse is 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 there. As um, I think we're also seeing that there is, you know, kind of fish and there's there's malware and other kinds of really bad types of emails that are being sent related to COVID, right? They're playing on the fears of people who are looking for guidance, looking for information from, you know, the World Health Organization and other places, and so that they're preying on that fear and using that to to try to steal people's information. I think I heard of a, a rash of of login stuffing recently, right? So that the, the, right. The, the amount of fraud that's coming from all of this is is just wild. I think it's it's much more than than we've even seen in the past. You know, with your experiences in the anti-abuse arena, I mean, you know, I just realized in this entire series, we've not yet really talked again. And I know that some people might be tired of hearing these these, these acronyms, but you know, we, we've always talked about SPF, DCAM, DMARC, all these sorts of things. Are there things that brands should be doing, especially even now, considering, yes, that, you know, we get all these bad people that just love to take advantage of these situations and whatnot, you know, um, you know, are, are there certain things that, that they should be looking at? And not just from the technology side of security, like again, SPF and DCAM, but, you know, mm -hmm. are there things that they could be doing as well on the intake side of things? Like how can they also validate that the email addresses that they're getting are not those, those, those stuffing sort of credentials or stuffing issues that we sometimes see. Yeah, I mean, I think this is a great, you know, I'm, I have always been a proponent of data driven marketing of, of watching your stats closely of making sure that, you know, there, there's not an, an issue that you can potentially catch before it becomes a big problem. I think this is a great time, right? Going back to the idea that, you know, all of your recipients maybe are, are engaging in different ways with you or, you know, much more, much less um, new, new users on your list, maybe as well. So like, you need to understand the trends so that you can figure out what's working in the current state that we're in. Um, you know, but but I think, yeah, it, it's just it's so important for us to focus on that data. Um, authentication wise, I think, you know, if, if people don't have a DMARC record set up, even just putting that that, you know, that very basic DMARC record in just to be aware of what is being sent that's that's not passing authentication, right? Like that way you can know if your brand is being fished and particularly if your brand's being fished and it's related to COVID, 
you know, it's it's potential that your your recipients that are receiving that mail don't know that it's not coming from you. They think that you're just sending really bad about, about what's going on, right? So I do think it's it's just a very important time to, to focus on whatever numbers you have access to, right? It doesn't mean drive yourself nuts, but if you've got an email deliverability friend or if you've got somebody that, that can help make sense of that data or lead you in the right direction of, of what to look at, that is just so helpful. So I'm curious uh, from your personal standpoint, right? You know, with you guys, you know, be, being stuck at home, uh, we've mentioned several times in this podcast. That I, I got to tell you, I mean, I, I've had some really good emails. I really have. I've had some that are, are very specific to COVID and it's been usually from the grocery store, right? My local Tom Thumb, which is owned by Safeway, right? They, they sent out emails in the beginning of this saying, hey, you know, we're still here, you know, we're taking precautions with our staff and we're cleaning things. And then, you know, we got another email that said, hey, you know, we're going to reduce the amount of hours that were open because, you know, we need time to restock. Uh, and then, you know, we got another email at one point that said, hey, do us a favor, you know, let's be careful of our elderly. So, you know, Tuesdays and Thursdays from seven to nine in the morning is, is going to be strictly for them to shop in the safety and security of, you know, of our stores and that and, and that. And, and those were really good because it told me, it gave me very specific instructions at, at the time that, that my wife and I should not be shopping. And knowing that, you know, if we wanted to go wait at night, you know, that it wasn't a good idea because they were closing early for that sort of stuff. But then right. on the flip side of it, I was getting really weird emails from tire companies going, hey, we're still here. Like, we're still here <laughs> to help you fill up your tire in case it's low. And I get that, right? Yeah. Um, but I was mentioning to, you know, like last night when the boys and I ran to go grab dinner uh, curbside, you know, I took one of the cars out that I haven't driven in, in over in a month and a half, to be completely honest. So I haven't put gas in that car in over a month and a half. But, you know, it, 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 I realized that, you know, did this tire company not think about the fact that not everybody's going to be out driving all the time. Now, I get the fact that there's going to be some essential workers that will be you know, getting out there and that might have issues. But it was just sort of weird because we got three or four messages from them that started off with their hours, but then it went right into, hey, we're having a tire sale. I don't care about tires right now, buddy. Like, I mean, if I need to come in and fix a tire, then I'll do that. But knowing that I can buy three, get one free or do some sort of rebate seemed a little bit bad timing wise. I mean, what have you seen personally with some of these brands that you have you know, oh, related yeah. to? Yeah, I mean, I think you raise a really great point, which is just, you know, people, you know, and, and it makes sense, right? Like that, that tire company or that, that local shop is probably facing very low sales right now. And so they're trying to figure out a way to keep themselves in business, right? So like, I do get that, you know, but really communications during a time of crisis should attempt to solve a problem for the people that you're sending mails to and a problem that, that they're facing now. So to your point, if you're not driving, you, you really don't need new tires, right? Like that, that's not an, an urgent issue. So I think it's its really about providing value in whatever way your brand can, right? So for, for a travel industry, I've actually seen some people doing cool stuff where, you know, obviously they don't have a reason to, to contact you about traveling right now, but some people are setting up, um, you know, virtual experiences where you can go check out museums in top destinations. There's some that are even driven by, you know, top tour guides that are probably really expensive. So they're helping those people make a little bit of money, but at the same time, they're driving value for their audience. They're wetting the appetite for when travel returns to say, hey, I saw that really cool webinar. I need to see that place in person, right? So it's it's about right. staying top of mind for your brand, but also providing value. So if, if, if people that love to travel are now stuck at home, how do you make that less painful for them? So I think that's where, you know, a lot of, especially a lot of these smaller companies like like your tire example are kind of just, they don't have marketers on staff who, who kind of get the bigger picture and can kind of come put together some really great spin on, on how to just sell tires, right? Like if that's your only business, that's where I think you kind of need to get creative and figure out like, what could they be offering, right? Is there a way for them to have some sort of service for essential workers, right? Could they go 
to the, to the hospital parking lot and try to offer free services there for people that are having car exactly. issues. Right? Exactly. So, yeah, it's, it's kind of about extending that that reach, building that that sort of um, community aspect so that you can really connect with your users in a way that does not come off as just sort of a you know, sleazy sales pitch that's that's trying to capitalize on the times or just stay, you know, stay in business. Right. You know, that's, you know, you, you bring up a, a good point in, in all of this that, you know, even like Netcore itself, right? You know, Netcore has actually been offering this, this email relief program right now where, you know, they're, they're, you know, they're hoping to help people who are in the middle of the crisis. And, you know, like where I live, you know, I'm not, I'm not in Dallas proper, but I'm for, I'm far out enough where I tend to support the local businesses that, that we have, because we have the typical, you know, old town square here where we live. So, you know, we're trying to support as many local businesses, but some of them are not essential, like the clothing stores that my wife would shop at and whatnot. So, you know, those small mom and pop businesses that don't really know how to market or that might've bought, you know, a, a cheaper sort of, you know, set it and forget it, click and go sort of, you know, uh, you know, email platform. Uh, may not really know how to do these sorts of things like you're describing, which is, okay, how can I create some help for my clientele, right? And so, you know, that's, I, I, I love that idea. Have you seen others or have you had any recommendations or telling people on how to use email outside of that? I mean, because again, like I said, with, you know, what we've been trying to do, at least also in this podcast is to say, you know, how can you impact people's lives during COVID? Because I think you may or may not agree, but you know, this is going to come back in a different form here in the next couple of months, right? We're not over with this. We don't have a vaccine yet. We're not quite sure what all the science is, is out there. But, you know, come fall in the winter, we may end up in a different sort of version of, of stay at home again or, you know, distancing ourselves. So marketers are also going to have to think a little bit differently where maybe your brick and mortar stores may not be open. But, you know, what have you been talking to people about so far? What have you been hearing from brands so far about them kind of going, yeah, we're looking to help everybody out. Like, what other sorts of ideas or offers have you seen? Yeah, I mean, I've seen a lot of cool ones. Like I know, you know, email on asset is actually giving away complimentary subscriptions to organizations um, that are most critically impacted, right? So really, if you have the ability to do anything like that, like I think it really helps, right? Like, and, and you, you mentioned what Netcore has been doing. It, it's just whatever your business is, just think about how you can help your community. And even that, you know, to your point, you know, I've seen a lot of, you know, obviously there's tons of, 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 email marketers who, you know, are, are in our industry, I think is a, a little bit less impacted, but um, if you're not working right now, consider how you could use your skill set as an email marketer to help those local businesses, right? Like reach out to people when they send you terrible emails, or just think about the businesses that you like within your own community that you want to see survive this thing and see if you can just help them out, right? It doesn't mean you're going to get paid for it, um, but it can just sort of make sort of make you feel good, and maybe later that that'll come to, to be some business for you because those people really see the value, right? So, um, re really, it's just it's anything that you can do. Um, but like you said, you've got to get creative. You really have to figure out what this not to say this new normal looks like, but um, it's not just about selling selling your products like usual these days. Right. Exactly. Yeah. And this is a really good time, like uh, you know, since we're going this right now, that marketers and brands should be taking in thoughts and advice on this because like i said when this does you know potentially come back in a different version or form of it or, or a more relaxed version right, again they're still going to have to have that that need to be able to market and whatnot you know when we opened the podcast originally in, in the whole series you know one of the things that that i had gotten into with with our friend matt um and and even uh, gene jennings especially was you know a, a lot of sort of these again these deluge of statements that were raising questions for companies and and so we had sort of talked about then is like you know some of the questions you should be asking yourself is you know do i even need a coronavirus statement right this one second right 
you know, we always talk about in corporate email when you're writing an email and it's and it's done in anger, right? That you should sit on it for 24 hours before you actually hit the send button, right? And yeah. that same sort of mentality, I would think, from your you know perspective, would would be that yeah, you know, you need to think about you know whether you need that statement or not. What are some of the advice you know that you might have as to like what could marketers be using to put into their, I guess, interest test, right? You know, we talk about interest test being just sort of you know, do I check these boxes off? And if I do, then I need to go do X, right? But you know, what are some of the tips that you think people could be thinking about in terms of deciding whether they need that that that, that statement to go out? Yeah, I mean, I think you know, you know, you have to consider that that customers have different values, different viewpoints, and they might be very different from your own. So just consider the type of messaging that you're sending. But really, you, you kind of have to listen to what your audience seems to be liking, and then you need to pivot and kind of go in the direction of, of what's working, right? So um, if you have the ability to segment and kind of send smaller batches of emails to, to more focused groups so that you can kind of, you know, tailor that messaging a bit, I think that's um, one way to, 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 to help. But really, like, you know, we need to adapt our email marketing strategy to what people's day-to-day -day routines look like now. Right, right. So here's, here's a funny question just for you and I from a deliverability standpoint, right? If, if it's decided that you need a, a corona you know you know virus statement you know like back in the day like you and i would tell people i'm talking like years ago we would say don't use the word free because it's going to hit the anti-spam filters right because that's what they're looking for that's what the big providers are looking for yeah. you know should i be you know is it bad or good to put coronavirus or COVID 19 in the subject line in the body i mean you know from a deliverability standpoint is it really affecting people's emails is is are the mailbox providers looking for this yeah, so I think, you know, and it is interesting because, you know, obviously mailbox providers are looking at words as part of, of you know, the hundreds of, of different signals that they're monitoring for deliverability. But really, you know, and this has been true for, for many, many years, it's not about the actual words that you're using in your subject line, right? If you have something to offer for free, by all means, use free in your subject line. People are probably going to love that. I think that the problem that we see is when the sentiment doesn't land the way you think it's going to land, right? If you're offering something for free and then when people open that message, they realize it's free with a hundred dollar purchase, you better believe that's going to lead to a higher market spam report, right? You're, you're setting them up for a certain expectation and then you're kind of failing to deliver on that promise that you've made to them, right? So um, especially with, with any terms related to the pandemic that's happening now, just consider you know, not only is, is probably three out of the four messages in your inbox having some of those terms in it. So you're kind of just sort of fighting for, for real estate in the inbox along with everyone else. But those terms elicit a lot of negative feelings for people, right? Either anxiety or fear or just anger because they're stuck at home and they don't agree with that stay at home order or whatever that might be. So, um, you know, it, it, it's just the reaction, right? So it's not the word itself, but it's the reaction that ISPs are going to be looking for, right? So it doesn't matter if it has free or if it has COVID or whatever, but if ISPs start to see that people are marking that mail as spam or that they're just kind of deleting it without ever opening it or just letting it sink further and further into their inbox, just like anything else, it, it's 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 going to ding your sender reputation, right? So it's, it's not the word, it's the reaction that then has an impact on your, your future sender reputation. So what I think I just heard you say is the mailbox providers have not changed their plans, right? They are still doing what they were doing a year ago right now when it comes to this, right? 
Correct. Yeah. And you know, I think it's it's funny. There was um maybe it was about two weeks ago now, there was a a conversation or a comment from somebody within like the women of email group that I think had also made its way over to Twitter as well, um, where somebody was calling out some some actual testing that they did. And the testing, you know, I mean, the, maybe the testing could have been bigger, but essentially they were trying to claim that UTM tags that included coronavirus or COVID or anything like that were being automatically filtered to the spam folder with Outlook and, and all Microsoft domains, right? So, um, and then everyone was like, oh no, oh my gosh, thank you so much. I'm gonna remove all those words and oh no, it's in my domains and stuff. And it's it's so much bigger than that, right? It was not specifically about that specific term. It was more so just other elements, right? So if you just created a new domain, for example, that includes the word COVID because that's on target for, for what you're gonna send right now, that's great. But keep in mind that ISPs and, and anti-spam filters are always on the lookout for brand new, newly created domains, right? That is that is a very commonly abused tactic by spammers, right? So it's it's not the the very small anecdotal thing that you think it might be. It's more just that larger picture, and of course, reputation factors into all that stuff, right? So if you're doing a test, Dennis, um, and you get a result that's like, oh, yep, when I add COVID, it does send it to the spam folder, but when I do the same test, it doesn't do that, right? I'm sure you guys all, everybody who's listening to this has a million messages in your inbox right now that have those terms in it that disproves it, right? So if you've got a Hotmail address, you're seeing that that stuff is going to the inbox, but the difference is maybe Dennis's sender reputation isn't as good as mine. So the inclusion right. of that word, in addition to a couple of other kind of negative uh, factors is really what's what's kind of driving that to the spam folder, not just the word itself. Right, and so, you know, as you said earlier, which which I thought was a, actually, actually kind of hit home to be honest, is, you know, with, with us being stuck at home like everybody else is, yeah, we, we're all ready to get out and to do things. We're ready to go off and, and have a sense of normalcy and hang out with all of our friends and whatnot. And, you know, like you and I were supposed to be in Tennessee this week, actually, for for, for the Email Experience Council event, which okay. is really saddening, because that's, that's one of our outlets right now. But, yeah, I mean, right now, I mean, it, it sounds like as well, like what you're talking about is that brands and marketers should not be messing, you know, if you will, with the emotional, the, the, with a fragile emotional state, I think that people are in, because like you stated earlier, they're scared right now, or they're tired, or, I, you know, I, you with kids and me with kids, right? I mean, we're helping them with their at, at home schooling sort of stuff. So, you know, there's a lot of stress that's put onto us. And so where we used to also tell brands and marketers, hey, listen, you know, send the right message at the right time, you know, to the right person, you know, that that sort of right time now also becomes sort of like, you know, let's let's be respectful of, of their time and let's be respectful of their emotional state. So let's not make emails longer than they have to be, right? And let's again, like, let's not use the word free, but then find out, you know, the person finding out that it's free after $100 purchase and whatnot. Now is the time to make it as simple as you can be and more specifically helpful because they are a little bit fragile right now. Oh yes, yeah, could not agree more. I mean, I've, I think I've seen, you know, even though there's been a lot of great examples of, of top brands who are doing this where, you know, even for Starbucks, um, they've got an email that just, it's very basic. It tells you what they're doing. It only is information that's really relevant to the situation of whether you're going to be purchasing something from Starbucks, if they're gonna be open, what that looks like. You know, so it, it's just a matter of, yeah, make make that, that communication very simple and just streamlined for people to be able to, to really get a, get a hold of that. You know, it, it just it's so important right now more than ever. I think as well, um, not including lots of like technical jargon and, and medical terms that people don't really understand, like not to say dumbing it down, but speaking to people in a language that they can understand and that's easy for them to process right now, mm -hmm. it's just of utmost importance. 
That's no, that's good. That's good. Are there any other tips or tricks that you could think of off the top of your head that maybe our listeners want to hear about in terms of the anti-abuse perspective of this? Or, you know, cause again, you've been in the middle of this, but I mean, is there something that I might be missing in all of this today? Um, well, you know, honestly, I think it really is, again, you know, I keep going back to the stats, really focusing on what you're doing, but a lot of people have had to kind of throw away their old marketing books and, and kind of start from scratch or, or kind of go in a different direction than they were doing before. So it really is so important to just focus on your stats and, you know, anti-abuse, um, you know, if, if people are marking your messages as spam, especially if it's more than they did in the past, ISPs are going to pick up on those trends and be like, oh, uh oh, you're going in the wrong direction. And that could land your mails in the spam folder, right? And it's a lot easier to stay in the inbox than it is to climb the way out of the spam folder, right? So it's just really focus and think, you know, not just think about who you're sending to, but think about does this mail need to be delivered to this person? What kind of value or problem am I solving for them? Because if there really is no value. That's where, you know, best case, they're gonna just ignore your email and move on with their lives. Worst case, they are going to have a very negative reaction and mark that as spam. And that, that could be really detrimental to your, your deliverability right now. You know, you bring uh, a point back up again here is that, you know, that while they're throwing out their book, they should be writing a new book, I think, right? Absolutely. I mean, you know, you and I have talked about on the data breach, you know, on the security and privacy side of things, right? We've always talked about having a breach response plan when it comes to losing data. We talk about this at Mog and, and many other places where you and I have to work on the compliance issues. Mm-hmm. It's almost as if companies now need to start thinking about this now from, from a, you know, a, you know a, a global impact, you know, playbook now is that if something happens like this, how are we going to react as a company? Not just from, I, I went out to Utah to, uh, to go talk to a friend of mine's company before like the week that all this stuff really started. And mm-hmm. I remember watching them panic the day that their governor had said, hey, we're gonna shelter at home. And they were literally hour by hour writing the playbook on how to get people to work remote. That same thing might need to be happening here that maybe at some point, you know, companies need to be thinking about, hey, we need to create a separate book that's just specifically for global impact situations, whether it's it's viral, like, you know, with, with, with COVID or other things that could be happening weather related where I don't know, let's, you know, I, I, I like to watch all these crazy movies about weather and whatnot, but, you know, yeah. but there are things that they maybe should be preparing for right now. Yeah. And that's, you know, it's so funny because it's, you know, I, I was talking to somebody recently who had bought or well, who, who had, they live kind of in the woods and they, they'd already had all that sort of like doomsday equipment. They're like, we've got, you know, a bag, <laughs> three days worth of everything we need. And we've got food for two months and all this stuff. And they're like, you guys all thought I was crazy. And now what, you know, now I'm ready. And not, right? so, um, I do think, you know, this is a pretty rare situation. So hopefully, you know, marketers aren't going to have to completely flip their lives upside down right. you know, as often in the future. But I do think, yeah, it makes sense to have to plan for contingency, to plan for having to to pivot quickly to having stuff on on, you know, where it's, it's not so, so complicated for you to start from scratch, right, to be able to kind of pivot into a different direction. Um, it, yeah, it's really, really helpful. Yeah, no, it is. It is. Yeah, no, because yeah, we we've been even talking about. I think it might have been. Uh, I think it was with Jean and even with with Kate Creamer now living in, in Amsterdam, where she just got there recently, right? So she's now stuck in a city which she would like to go out and explore. But you know how we work as individuals now has also changed quite a bit. You're at home more often. Uh, I mean, you know, especially um, uh, you know with, with COVID and whatnot. But I mean, you know, we're we're also now becoming. I don't know, the experiment itself, right? Again, like we had talked about earlier, it's like we're getting the same sort of emails, not just from our own companies, but we're also able to kind of go back and go, okay, I hopefully I'm not doing anything that stupid, right? <laughs> yeah, right. Yeah, you start to question yourself. <laughs> exactly, exactly, exactly. 
Well, listen, I wanted to thank you for being a part of this. I, like I said, I, I, I was really hoping you know, to get you in here because of your background from, from the compliance and abuse area, um, because that seems to be, I think, one of the things that has been on people's minds. And as you said, within the women of email and Slack's uh, you know, discussions, it, it, it has been brought up. And I have seen a little bit of that too, as well, where you know, in, uh, in the email geek Slack group, as an example, there's always been that question about, you know, wow, you know, uh, you know, is COVID, you know, causing issues in deliverability and, and we're just not seeing that, but it's again, really about sort of, as you had stated very, very clearly, keeping your reputation as clean as possible because you are need to be, or you need to be sending the right message at the right time to the right person. And again, and the fragility of, of it all, making sure that, th that, that this message isn't false and that it really matters to the individual and it's gonna have a positive impact on their daily lives as they've changed a little bit. So. So I thank you for being a part of this. Um, you know, as we're closing up here, is there anything that maybe uh, if, if anybody's interested in what you guys are doing with Kickbox, you know, sh should they be visiting a website? Is there a way for them to get a hold of you? Maybe over Twitter, but is there anything going on right now with Kickbox that they could maybe use from this? Yeah, absolutely. So, you know, like I said, I, I just joined the company a couple of months ago, but deliverability is my jam to the max. Um, so I am happy to chat with anybody who just needs a little bit of guidance on deliverability. Um, I also, you know, if you guys reach out to me, I'm also willing to, to kind of um, get my company to give you guys some free verification credits. So if you want to try that out, or if you've got a list that you really just want to give it a nice little scrub before before you send it out and make sure it's as clean as possible. Um, definitely happy to do that. My Twitter is at Lauren underscore kickbox. And, and our website, if you want to kind of just check out what we do, is kickbox.com. Not kickboxing like the sport, uh, but just kickbox. <laughs> That's awesome. Well, thank you very much for that. Thank you very much what? for that. No, I am. Yeah, I'm glad for you to, you know, to, you know, to be able to help because again, like like Netcore and, and many other people out there, right? They're all just trying to come together to help businesses and the need of, uh, you know, you know, during this crisis and, and whatnot. Um, and so these the, these relief programs that that we're starting to see pop up, and not just in email, but I mean we've seen it just in, in other companies where they're giving 30, 60, 90 days of free services. I think is is making people's lives a lot easier. And uh, and you know, like we had said at the very beginning of this, right? And I've said that at the end of all of these discussions is, you know, that we're all in this together, and and together, you know, we will prevail as long as we work together as a community, because the community here, and I know you would agree with this, it really is a big family to us, right? We've all been doing this, like you said, you've been it for 14, 15 years. I think I'm going on 20 or 25 years, and yeah. you've watched my kids grow up. I've watched your kids grow up already, and you know, I know they're still little, but they seem to be like already growing up, like adults. <laughs> Um, yeah, <laughs> yeah, but yeah, but but we will do this together. So, um, so again, thank you for being a part of this. I really appreciate your time on this, and I want to thank our listeners for being a part of this net core series on COVID, and hope uh, that you guys have found what Lauren has talked about today to be very helpful in terms of what you need to be doing. And uh, stay tuned; we're going to be doing more uh, podcasts as, as time moves on. And uh, we, you know, with that, again, you know, as I said, we will be in this together. We will all prevail, and everyone needs to stay safe, stay healthy, and stay at home. Thank you very much for being here. You've been listening to the Email Unplugged podcast powered by NetCore. Hit subscribe in your favorite podcast player to make sure you never miss an episode. To learn more about effective email communication and engagement through AI-powered email solutions, visit netcore.co, the only global email engagement leader delivering marketing ROI and value to 20-plus global unicorns and 5,000-plus brands for over two decades.